Ben Howard. Hey, you threw me off. I thought you were going to do the whole, uh, welcome to unsettling in with Michael Malamud. This is episode 13. What episode number is this? No, you haven't been keeping up with the pod. I keep up with the pod live. You keep up with the pod, whether you like it or not. True. I live in your living room. So you record it in your bedroom. So honestly, I've kept up with every episode. If you think about it, what do you think? I did. You're doing great, buddy. Thank you. Write a Google review. I think the numbers are right behind Tim Dillon. I'm not. I'm not on Google. You're not on Google? No, I don't know. Google doesn't have a podcasting thing, I don't think. I use DuckDuckGo. You have been by far the hardest guest to (laughs) schedule. (laughs) Which is ironic. Besides Casey Rocket, who is dead to me. Well, he is, I think, legally dead anyway. Yeah, oh, Casey he's been dead for years. He's been a zombie for some time now. Yeah, the Beetlejuice is inspired by him. That's a very good way to put that, yes. Yeah, why do you think Tim Burton hasn't made a movie in years? All his stuff, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, that's all Casey Rocket. Similar hair. I'm I, telling you. How do we know Casey Rocket isn't Tim Burton? I mean, I could take you down a Twitter rabbit hole if you want. That's... It's going to lead us to Balenciaga, but <laughs> I can take you down it. Oh, well, that took, what, less than two minutes? You've already mentioned Balenciaga. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't want to talk about it. Me uh, I don't want to talk about the clear, blatant, you know, child pedophilia imagery being put out by a major high-end fashion line and no accountability being taken for it. I will acknowledge it in that moment like I just did, but I don't, I really don't feel like, I feel like it's going to be covered. But we you don't know. need a discussion. We talk all the time. We do. But we never run out of Whether things I to like talk about. Oh, um, definitely, whether no, you no, like it or kidding. not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I My back hurts. You were there for that. Some random spasm just happened, and now it's 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 lingering. The I didn't back know, thing was so intense. I don't know what happened. I literally was just standing there, and suddenly I realized I couldn't move, and I just had to lean back on the couch. I couldn't – I still can't – I can't bend down with and like extend my left arm. I don't know what the fuck – there's always something wrong with me. Well, you take horrific care of yourself. This is true. Mm-hmm. Um, a pack-a-day smoker, daily drinker, non-workouter. Um, You've been sleeping on a couch, which is a major upgrade from a car. True. You know, um, the body the body will respond to these things. Yeah, my, well, my body, mind, and spirit is trash. It's awful. Well, it's the holy trinity of just, of, of just gutter sludge from a, after a storm. But you look good. I'm the best-looking almost homeless person in Austin. You think so? I believe so. I Who's mean, next runner-up? There are so many comics who could fit the bill that's there. A, that's a good point. Who's living out of their car right now? Oh, it used to be a lot of us. Yeah. There was a lot of there comics. There was a real period where A it was, whole period. It was Cody yeah. Myers. I mean, oh, well, Rocket was living out of his car. For, for sure. Forever. Uh, Hans Kim. Pedro, who... He's just been... He's responsible for more fights that happen at Creek than anyone else. The last time I saw him, I saw him get into an altercation with a <laughs> yeah. comic at Lucky Duck. That's funny that you say that. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, yeah. <laughs> I won't disparage him on your podcast. No, not at all. Uh, Quite the opposite. No, no, no. Pedro, um, you're, you're a good guy. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Went to therapy today, which is just, a, I feel it's such a waste of time. Uh, not a popular opinion for therapy. Most people think, uh, most people have great things to say about it. But my therapist is still in grad school and doesn't have letters next to his name. I met him the first time. I was expecting like some like Robin Williams from Goodwill Hunting guy, you know. Ooh, that would be nice. That's what I was picturing yeah, as that a therapist. Would be ideal. Just some like meek older man that wears cardigans, you know, just uh, would, like whose reassure wife me. Died? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, you know, it's not your fault, Spolt. Like that kind I was I wanted that energy. And I walked in, I get like a strip club for a fucking or I, I get like a bouncer to a strip club. That's what this dude looks like. He's six foot four. His name is Axel. He has sleeve tattoos and he's like ripped. He has a beard. I was like, dude, I don't know that much about therapy. I don't think you're supposed to be like afraid of your therapist. You've told me about him, about some of these things, but his name is Axel. Axel, dude. Is he named after the great... Axel Rose? Very fat guitarist (laughs) Axel Rose. I don't know if it's after, but his name is Axel. I don't know what the letters next to therapist names are. There's a few. There's like a bunch you can get. Oh, yeah. He has none of those. MD, PhD. Definitely not an MD. (laughs) That's a medical doctor. DDT, MDMA. MDMA, DMT. LSD. Yes, all of those. He has none of them. Okay. I'm not convinced he 
hasn't done LSD. He's just a grad student getting his hours. It's ten dollars a session, and it shows. Um, like, dude, he brought. Well, his, he needs to make a minimum wage at least. I know it's so he yeah he like bartends at night. He let that one slip. I'm like stop telling me things. <laughs> but, yeah, his his bartender customers are like happier with how he's helped them and given him advice them advice than you. That's probably true. Yeah, it's fun. he just makes such funny amateur mistakes because he's learning. I don't, he's never seen patients before he saw me. That was the greatest thing. I was like in therapy. Isn't that my first bout into therapy too? It's like I've never done therapy before. And so he's my first. Um, popping Aww, my cherry with Axel. I've had six. Good Lord. Yeah, they're not good. Most therapists not are not, almost none of them work. <laughs> and the one who did, he probably only worked to me. You know, like if I told you, you'd be like, oh no, that guy should have his license taken away. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> yeah. I liked him because he didn't follow any of the prescriptions of normal psychotherapy. Here's the but problem. Anyway. My therapist, he doesn't even have a license to take. He's still, he's taking. How is that possible? Because he's a post-grad. So he's like certified to, I get, he's in like, what is, whatever this is, uh, it's uh, an internship or it's an internship, but he's doing his clinicals or whatever. He's like getting to actually see patients. I mean, he has a supervisor though, that I imagine he goes to and just tells how much of a narcissist and annoying that I am probably every week. Do you know how like the really big comics in New York, they all have that same therapist we were talking about? Alan. Alan. Yeah. And um, so weird you, that I know that. you and I are open micers. Mm-hmm. And so we get Axel. Yes, as soon that's as, very yeah, true. When you, you have to do Mark a Mark few... Normand and Joe List exactly. can, see, can see Alan. Yeah. I get Axel. Yeah. And it sounds like it too. It makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah. I'm not any happier. Like, yeah, right. at all. Nor are you supposed to be. It was just so funny. Dude. I remember I was like, so it's my first therapist. I'm like in there. I'm telling him that I was still trying to get comfortable with the idea of therapy. You know, I was just like, yeah, I'm still trying to let my guard down and uh, be able to just let loose and make this a comfortable space. It's just tough. You know, I've only been in therapy for like three weeks. And he was like, yeah, dude, I know what you mean. I've only been a therapist for three weeks. And I was like, dude, stop talking. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's, he brought his textbook into a session. That's once. so real. <laughs> just started flipping through it. Yeah. He's like, there's a lot of good stuff in here that relates to what we were talking about. Um, you know, like, oh, like, like, what are some of your coping strategies? Like, oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. This is depression. <laughs> You're an alcoholic. I'm sorry. Let's play this little game because okay. and it's not even a game it's just for anyone who might be listening who mm-hmm. has never been to therapy yeah but might benefit from the tools of therapy is mm-hmm. there anything he's given you as far as a tool any response to anything you know they're supposed to like pay attention to things that repetitively come up patterns behaviors and tell you like straight up methods for dealing with it right he does not do that um, oh, which is okay. ironic because i talk about the same shit every week yeah so what, 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 what is that stuff memorable. that you feel comfortable divulging oh you just, know uh, drinking and poor financial habits when did you start drinking the first time i got drunk i was 16 i remember a family couple that was friends with my parents came over and we had a bar in our house and, um, you had a bar in your house? Not like a functioning bar. <laughs> but it was one of those bars, like in a basement? Yeah. Yeah, you thought you thought I thought it yeah, was yeah. like a pub. There's like, yeah, there's like people coming yeah, in. like Horace and Pete. Your like, childhood was like Horace and Pete. Exactly, I yeah. lived above a bar. Right. No, it was No, just, like a it, bar like that you set the up den. in a basement. It was the right. den that they turned into a bar. Oh, that's going to make alcohol appeal to you of and course be really comforting would. from a really young age. Yeah, and the dude that came over, I loved it. His name was Carl. Was Carl and Liza, they were these two people. We would go over to their house. He, they'd come over to ours. I loved Carl's house because... He had a whole, he had a bigger room that was his bar and it was a bigger bar too with the staggered shelves that you put the liquor on that have lights underneath. Yeah, dude, I'm not going to front. You know that alcohol is not my drug of choice. Yeah, I yeah. haven't drank this year. I might have a drink once the year passes. I just wanted to kind of see if I could do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but liquor, like bars and li- bottles and the shelves, it's it's beautiful. It's, a be- it's beautiful. And I grew up like that i also grew up jehovah's witness and people think that they don't drink which is so inaccurate um but uh why do people think that I, because they confuse us with mormons all the time now i say mormons us, don't drink I have, yeah mormons don't drink a lot they don't drink alcohol they don't drink caffeine for some stupid reason yeah it's they're they're all over the fucking map anyway yeah no they his yeah their place was red they they like designed their house 
and I watched it get built. That was cool. But um, he like specifically when he was making the plans for his house was like, this is going to be the bar. <laughs> I know someone who did that. Yeah. But he came over one, I was like 16 and uh, it was the first time I ever got drunk. He showed me how to make a white Russian and then they just left and my parents went to bed. <laughs> I was like, you just showed me how to make the most delicious cocktail for a 16 year old. It's alcoholic chocolate That's milk. That's a milkshake. Yeah. yeah. And I proceeded to make like four more. Oh, and got shit faced oh, because yeah, yeah. it's got Kahlua as and well vodka. as vodka. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And woke up the next morning, was not aware of what a hangover was, but I was that morning. I was like, well, sh- just like headache. I felt like shit and I'm walking down the stairs. I just remember my mom, she like sees me walking down the stairs, you can just tell on my face. And she goes, hungover? <laughs> I was like, I think. And she just points to the cabinet and she's like, Excedrin and B12, it's in the, it's in the cabinet, take it. And that's been my hangover remedy forever. Excedrin and B12. Excedrin, B12, and then I found coconut water, which is a thousand times better than Gatorade because there's no sugar. I hate hangovers so much. There's no... Yeah, the worst. There's no... There's nothing that They've only gotten worse as I've gotten older. ...made it better. Because then I get older, cocaine comes into the mix. And now it's not just a, you know, a full-body headache hangover. It's now... Hangover with Coke is like, it's in your chest. You think you're going to have a heart attack. You're like afraid your heart's going to stop beating. It sucks. I mean, you just are putting a stimulant that, an incredible stimulant right into your system. That's why it feels so good because it gets your heart racing. It has other shit in it too. Yeah, and dopamine and all that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. the the last time I did coke, I could smell, I'm like, this is, this tastes like gasoline. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I view it as a party drug, much like alcohol, but it's like alcohol plus Alcohol 2.0, it's a little more, it's a little deeper, True. a little more, It's little so harder. fucking fun what you're doing, it's just, it's not worth the next day. Also, I need to, I don't want to do it. I don't wake up in the morning and be like, you know what, I'm going to do some coke today. That never happens. That isn't what it is. It always is like, I'm going to go do a set, I'm going to drink a manageable amount, and I'm going to go home. And then somewhere in that arc of a plan, mm-hmm. it turns into shots with friends, and then fucking somebody... <laughs> somewhere is like and i'm like oh okay yeah yeah that's exactly what they say every time uh he's the best he does too much coke it's like among the top comedian mindset drugs it makes you think you're amazing that's true feel you're amazing and it makes you have endless ideas the one coke (laughs) like the, the one coke setback is you never should do it on stage like that's where that's where drinking and coke differ is it's like i can i can have a few you know, a few pops and go up on stage. Joey Diaz was talking about Coke how it fucks up his um, timing. Timing, rhythm, yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all off. It's, it's, and you don't think it is. <laughs> I do remember one time, <laughs> it was the one, it was the last time I ever did Coke before I got on stage. Mm-hmm. It was a buzz mill. So mm-hmm. the term stage is liberal. But, um, I yeah I had done some bumps and then got on stage did a set and got off stage and uh, Leo Kanapka is standing there and I was like and I was like how was that and he was like looked like you were on coke and I was like oh shit fuck that and I've never I've never done coke before I got on stage again I really think that for me sobriety is by far the best yeah no it is i was sober for eight straight months in 2020 during lockdown yeah i'm talking about for the stage not for life oh for the (laughs) yeah for life i don't i got mixed feelings i know because i don't want to be the sober guy nobody wants to be a sober guy i have no issue with that that's not my issue well that's fine i just my issue i can't stand drunk people unless i'm fucking drunk the thing about sobriety is i find that too much of the same really starts to make my life feel rigid and make my thinking feel rigid. I like scrambling up my perception mm. for my creativity. So I I can't say that complete sobriety in my experience has been the best way to go, but I think it would be if I could figure out how to be an open, creative, inspired, evolved person without scrambling up my brain contents a little bit like to optimize my potential and optimize my brain power i need structure and i need a routine yeah which is and something I alcohol will fuck that yeah, up like, completely fucks it yeah, up yeah alcohol fucks that up weed fucks it up for me yeah. i have had no i've had i've definitely had a routine but very little structure right recently. that's the last so weed 
is the one thing, surprisingly, I haven't had in probably over a year now um, and really don't have any desire to. I've not, Weed has never been my thing. It was for a while in my early 20s. I was a daily pot smoker. I had my own little bubbler. I, Are you able to imitate the bubbler? Yeah, it's a... Uh... Oh, yeah. Young Ben. Oh, yeah. Um, I convinced myself that was the only way I could write was if I was stoned. I watch out for those thoughts. I yeah, well, and not stand up. I've been having I've been having that because I've been high so much recently. Yeah, you know? <laughs> when you called me, you thought you saw a UFO. Yeah, and I still think I, 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 I still about to say. I, I did not think <laughs> I saw a UFO. Ben. I just you, you're telling me the story. You're like, dude, it was there. I saw it. That being said, I was high and looking at the sunset. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's like, true. Okay. That's exactly what I said. But dude, yes, like, it is. I uh, saw a UFO. I I, I've seen UFOs since that conversation. And I'm always looking me? at the skies. I mean, I just see them so often that I can't be sure that they're not some kind of plane. And, sure. you know, <laughs> and it's you like... That, you see yeah. that UFO that's going like kind of slow in a straight line? Yeah, dude, I saw the thing land at Austin Bergstrom <laughs> Airport. <laughs> I'm telling you. They're fucking keeping it from us, dude. Yeah. And they tried to cover it up. It said Southwest Airlines on the side. Yeah, right. I saw people coming out. They looked like they just woke up, man. They were humanoids. They were, they were, they were shapeshifters. I've been seeing UFOs... And I've, I'm also someone who stares at the sky all the time. Sure. Like, what? I'm not going to come bothering you every time. <laughs> Be ridiculous. I'm going to start. You know what? I am going to no, start no. doing that. I'm going to start texting you every time I see a UFO. What do you think's up with the moon? Because I don't think it is what they say it is. I th- can tell you that I think it's possible that it's an artificially constructed satellite. Interesting. Yeah, there are no moons like it. I forgot what what makes it distinct from the other moons. Other I wish I knew, but I can tell on. you that based on what I've read about it, that I could easily see it being an artificially constructed satellite. There's too much perfection going on. Pretty sure the moon came up in our last podcast we did together, too. Yeah, that that is how you derailed the, oh, the entire legendary lost episode of Unsettling In. That's they, true. It is the you lost are the only you are the only lost episode. That's true. Our they, that podcast is like Atlantis. There's only legends and tales and a cult group that believe it exists. Correct. Pluto has talked about it. Indeed. And someday it will be found at the bottom of the ocean. And it's known that the information in that podcast. Holds. Is exactly what humanity needs. <laughs> yeah, to we covered some ground. Bring down the escalation that has been happening across the planet, or perhaps to blast it off. Yes, there we'll are. only know by un- unleashing the podcast. That is, yeah, it's the only way. You still have it, don't you? It's just you don't like the audio. And what I, I'll tell you, what I do like, Ben, <laughs> is a sense of mystique. I like a sense of mystique and mystery. Oh, nice. And I can tell you that I may have it and I may not have it. <laughs> yeah. You have it. I have it. No, it's, uh, I like talking the about The sound it. was terrible. It was fine, I'm sure. It was not. Yeah, no, your engineer was like, not it. Yeah. <laughs> he, not. yeah, I mean, the setup was totally different. Remember? We were right next to each other. That's there were very no true. Pop yeah, yeah. Filters. You had a different, yeah, you had a different yeah. setup than you than you have now. And everything was bleeding into everything else. I'm telling you, the episode was good, though. I'm sure it was. Oh yeah, uh, what do you think is up with the moon? I heard once that like a comet hit it, and the sound it emitted sounded like a, a bell being rang for like three hours. Yes, I omit. I omitted saying that because. I couldn't remember exactly what it was. The source, yeah. I thought it was that someone landed a thing on it. Maybe like it was one that. of those. I, I, I forgot what they're called. Yeah. I think the dark side of the mood, there's some shit going on there for sure. I think we have bases and stuff out there. Yeah. Um, I, I just feel like that that would so easily be true. And why wouldn't they? Because they wouldn't want us to see the bases. Can you imagine if you looked up and saw a bunch of bases? You wouldn't. Be able to stay away. You'd be at CNN headquarters like, what the fuck is on the moon? And they would be like, are you vaccinated? Yeah, yeah they would <laughs> too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the moon. I think Antarctica is weird. I think there's more going on there. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about that too because there's like, uh, how many treaty? A lot. Packed. It's, it's, a whole like thing. A, it's a no fire zone. It's a 
like I was fucking North Korea could show up and it'd be cool. They're just like, hey, nobody fight. Like it's a whole the whole thing. I think because I think you get a certain mileage into the coastline and it turns into like a whole different fucking country. I think it turns into meaning like the Everglades, like that guy at Admiral Byrd. Not the Everglades, but like the temperate yes. climate. How yes. he wrote in his journals. Uh, that lush green. Yeah, he was flying through it and suddenly Mm -hmm. his, yeah, that whole crazy story. The thing about that is I was watching a YouTuber. I forgot what it, I think it's called Y Files. It's a pretty cool, like entry level conspiracy thing. Yeah. Um, kind of feels like, I don't know what, like unsolved mysteries. Here's the thing. He's very critical. So he's always, he always presents the debunking explanation, which I actually, I prefer to go deeper. Yeah. Cause the debunking, I got feelings about the debunkers. You know what I mean? (laughs) But I, I, I like the way he presents it. Disinformation advocates. Yeah. Right. I like the way he presents it. And he had this, you know, episode where he was talking about Admiral Byrd, and he said that the journal seemed like it was forged based on his other, the guy's other handwriting in other places. Uh, things like the number of exclamation points that he put on things uh, well, in the I journal. Mean, ver- yeah. There's a difference of putting an exclamation point on, oh, this baguette was good, and then that's a fucking alien. Like, there's, okay, there's different usages of, I'm going to put two more exclamation points after the alien thing than I would. Uh, a scone. That's a fair point. Maybe he just knew about what the use case is for an exclamation point. Maybe. Maybe that are explains. We talking about multi. Are we talking about like multi? Yeah. Apparently, points? in the journal, like it, he uses in like those three entries. in a row. Yeah. That's he, weird to write. That's what. That's why I'm. <laughs> Maybe if he was I'm typing it. it up. At the same who, time, who though, pens three exclamation points. At the same time, though, who pens? I do that with question marks actually written. I'll do two. If on I'm, texts yeah, or what? If I'm just writing. When people send me texts with two question marks, yeah, I'm um, guilty of that. I oh, that makes me that makes me have feelings. That's like, worse. That's worse than someone who doesn't send periods at the end of text sending a period. I I'd take the period over the two question marks. Have you? This younger generation doesn't use punctuation at all in their texts. There's, it's all one big run on sentence, and I meant to decipher where the sentence ends and this thought begins. You think it's because they're dumb or you think it's because language is evolving? I think both. Have you seen, I mean, like the way people spell things and memes, just these internet things, like dude didn't even know his something was something and everything is spelled wrong. Oh, kind of, I guess. What is spelled W-A-T and like, you know, failed the I is wrong. It's like before the A or some shit. And what does that sound? I think it's some water running somewhere. Oh, water which running is the pipes. Just the peaceful, serene background noises of your favorite podcast, <laughs> Unsettling In, which is recorded in my bedroom. In front of a live studio audience. In Austin, Texas. If you consider a live studio audience my dog and cat. That is who I was referring to. My cat is here today, which is unusual, but he was so cozy that I... Murphy. ...didn't want to... The worst cat I've ever met in my life. Murphy is an angel prince... That's a lie. ...that needs the utmost love and care. (laughs) Oh my god. Your cat's a fucking psychopath who is a... What did I describe him as the other day? He's a feral cat that happens to live indoors. That is absolutely... No, that's true. That <laughs> yeah. is true. He doesn't like people. He swats at me all the time. He just he, he just wants to bite me and fucking scratch me and my girlfriend. And and you. I saw him bite you today. Like, and he I loves you, I think. I love him. I don't think he loves anybody. <laughs> he loves you, I think. <laughs> I love this cat so I know, much. and it really, I, really bothers my mind. I've never loved any being that is so difficult in my life. And I've been in three long-term relationships. <laughs> yeah. I'm I, telling you. Yeah, Murphy sucks. Um, and Yang is a lot. Yang is so much. It's interesting that you don't say he sucks, though, because I feel like he bothers you he way does. more. He does bother me way more. Does. I just knew that saying that Yang sucks would hurt you more. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so I, that was me would. being nice. Yeah, I don't oh, think Yang. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I, and then I immediately turned around and told you what I what I really felt. But no, Yang's fine. It's just he's not trained well enough. I know he can do certain things, 
but it's like he doesn't know what down means. You are not being authoritative enough. Oh my god, that's such bullshit. You are not. I I was thinking about this the other day. That's such bullshit. You said something so insulting. What the other day when I was in the kitchen? See, this is what this is where I go. You said you said something like, "What did you say?" Oh shit, it's getting into a roommate podcast. What did you say? Um, Oh, this is a roommate podcast. Yeah, it's like now we're really getting into it. (laughs) What did what did you say? I don't know. What did I say that was insulting? That's that makes me feel bad. Oh well, he was all over y'all, and y'all were definitely trying to have some kind of serious conversation or something. Oh yeah, she was mad at me. And Yang, you said something like, "Yang, you are the worst trained dog." (laughs) Who's his trainer, Ben? And by the way, who's not using commands? Like you gotta like you gotta down. That's nothing. You say down, you say down like white moms tell kids in grocery stores that they can't have chocolate. I say down barely. I say down like the Blink 182 song. He jumps on me. I'm just like down, 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 down. That's what I do. Actually, that's true. And that's not how you say down to an adolescent dog. I say down. When he's not being good, it is unacceptable. I also say yang stop at a loud level. Yeah, I, I will say you say that, but he doesn't know what the word fucking stop means. <laughs> well, I haven't trained him. I haven't trained, but you got to go with what he he's, can roll he's over. trained on. How'd you go with roll over before he went with stop? Isn't that so cute? <laughs> it's so You love cute. showing people that too. Yeah. I mean, like every podcast guest, you're like, hey, hold on. I'm like, what he can do? Actually, I think I've only shown it to I know, Audrey. I, just, I, I just showed you, I, I just watched you uh, show one person. I was exaggerating there. That was a hyperbolic. The yeah. word of the day is hyperbolic. Which Michael doesn't understand because he cannot read social cues. <laughs> no, um, Yang's a fine canine, uh, and that feline. You're is a, a fine man. You animals. haven't you haven't learned how to speak to a dog, but you'll learn. I grew up with a fairly decently trained, long-haired Chihuahua named Tequila, who just pranced. that's adorable and also uh, an explanation of your alcoholism. <laughs> Yeah, we had a bar in our house. The dog, and the dog name named was tequila. tequila. What was your dad's name? Jack Daniels. My dad's name was Jameson. <laughs> yeah, and your real father's J- name was Jose Cuervo, or what? Yeah, that's my stepdad. Yeah, these are terrible jokes. Like as I'm yeah. saying them, I'm like, I what hate doing, these Michael? jokes. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, which is weird because alcoholism doesn't really run in my family. Um, I don't think. I think maybe my grand, my grandma on my dad's side. I don't think you're an alcoholic. That's nice to hear. Yeah, from I don't say I, I don't say that word to alcoholics. I let them say it themselves. But I wouldn't have said that to you if I legitimately thought you were an alcoholic, because alcoholism is much more serious than what I think you have going on. Yeah, no, it just gets in my way a lot. Yes, you are. Well, you get in your way a lot. Yeah, I'm a self sabotager. I like being I like being a saboteur though. That makes me sound like I'm a spy. But yeah, like, that's way sexier. But I'm like a spy for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm saboteuring myself. Yeah, it sounds like you're you're sabotaging yourself, and you're also watching yourself change from outside of a window, like that, a voyeur. Yeah. I'm bugging my own house and listening back and learning, and then getting in my own way. Hell yeah! I always wanted to be a spy. I, you know what? I know I don't want to be a spy. I want the training of a spy. I just want to know how to like lose a tail. Yeah, that's why I wanted to, like, go into the... I want the discipline from the military. Yes. Is there a thing... Can you just do boot camp and be like, never mind? Dude, I can show you, like, so many guys... Do you quit the military? I think so. Can you just be like, nah, I'm good. I mean, you do sign some stuff. What, is it like a fucking phone plan? Like a gym membership? Probably more like one now than in the 50s. You have to physically mail a letter to the military. Well, there are like, you know, discharges, honorable and dishonorable. dishonorable so maybe I could just jump to the dishonorable. Like Jimi Hendrix got dishonorably. Jimi Hendrix was discharged. in the fucking military? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, that's probably where he got that jacket. The military jacket? Wasn't he the one wearing the military jacket? I don't know if he wore a military jacket. I feel like jacket. he would wear a military jacket. It was the sixties and the seventies, I feel like. You know who fucking tore Jimi Hendrix? Chicago. I don't know Chicago. Oh, I haven't really listened to one him. One of my favorite bands of all time. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Seventies Chicago, <clears throat> like early seventies Chicago. They were like one of the first bands to that were like jazz rock fusion. Oh, that's cool. I love jazz rock fusion. Actually, oh well, there you go. Um, you like Weather Report? 
<laughs> yeah, but they were like one of the first. They had a great horn section, and the lead guitarist was this dude Gary Kath, who just fucking shredded. They used to play with uh, Jimi Hendrix, and Jimi Hendrix said, "Your horn section is so tight it sounds like one horn, and your guitarist is better than me." <laughs> it's like you guys are the shit. Chicago was rad. All right, noted. I'm gonna listen to him. Yeah, I love Jimi Hendrix. Steve I don't Ray. listen to him a whole lot because. The studio album, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Is that who you're going to say? Stevie Ray Vaughan is my guy. I only just started hearing him like a year ago. Oh, bro. Yeah, he... That voice. Yeah. Everything. The whole thing. Well, I mean, it's hilarious you go to the voice. His guitar playing. Yeah, Um, but there are so many good guitar players. But yes, he is among the greatest. Yeah, I think he is the greatest guitarist of all time. He took what Jimi Hendrix did was doing and did it better. Jimi Hendrix is a huge influence on him. He admitted that a lot. And I mean, he covered Hendrix songs a bunch. I feel like it's- I show you some live- Damn near impossible to be a lead guitarist after 1970 and not be influenced by Jimi Hendrix. True. It's like being a pop star and not having influenced by Michael Jackson. Yeah, I was raised on Stevie Ray Vaughan, not really as much Jimi Hendrix, but it's, yeah, Stevie Ray Vaughan was basically just doing what Jimi Hendrix started and like took it to a whole other fucking level it's so good um yeah stevie ray is the best i grew up on that kind of music though it's like stevie ray vaughn credence clearwater fleetwood mac i like clearance C- clearance clearance sale revival <laughs> revisionist clearance christian sales <laughs> i like credence clearwater revival nice however after like two songs i'm done <laughs> yeah all, all their songs sound so much the same uh, yeah, yeah 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 and it's and it's so distinct and also they've just been overplayed to death yeah they and have, they have a few songs that are covers that the originals are good or better like equal or better what are you uh which ones are you referring to rolling that's not a cover that was their song tina turner covered the cover is better yeah <laughs> Yeah, Tina Turner's version Maybe. of that song is better. Um, oh, man, it's so much the, better that I thought it was older. M- most people make that mistake, though. Um, they, exactly. They, they always think Creedence covered Tina Turner. Tina Turner covered Creedence. Literally, Tina Turner makes it sound like, well, I one, mean, of those, like one of those, like, you know, um, once you the add lady horns who... And she's like, rolling, rolling. I mean, obviously, yeah. the song just has a, such a different energy than... The reason I th- you think it is because it sounds like 50s or 60s soul. Like, True, it does sound older than the That's what I'm saying. Version. And the reason you think it is because you hear her and you're like, she's clearly black, right? You know that most great rock is influenced by black music that we came oh, yeah. before it. That's why you, I made that assumption. It's like, what's her name that influenced Elvis? Big Mama Thornton. Oh, yeah. And she was the first to record Hound Dog. Oh, okay. And well, all of Elvis's songs were basically covers. And and Elvis, you know, never was, wrote a single song. And was well, I don't know if that's true, but no, he it was is true. well. Elvis is it? never wrote okay. a single fucking song. Uh, but he was also, you know, I mean, he was never shy about that. No. He didn't, like, well, people frame it like he I, took it and ran with it and never gave credit. But if they, if anyone ever asked him, he was typically like, this is where I got well, this Well, no, that, that also, that wasn't uncommon. Like, Buddy Holly was the first singer-songwriter. Everyone before Buddy Holly was basically just, they were just doing classic covers of, like, each other, or had writers that would write for artists. Like, that, that was the... That was the industry back then. Buddy Holly changed the game by being one of the first singer-songwriters to write his own music and perform it. That obsession with Buddy Holly culturally, I feel like he's completely missed by culture now. When culture looks Mm -hmm. back now, they don't think of Buddy Holly, but his death was a huge, huge event. Big Mama Thornton... She she's soulful as fuck, and you can look up with videos. a name like Big Mama Thornton. Oh, I mean, dude, she's just one of those blues ladies, you know. Yeah. Um, and she has videos. It's really cool, like history. She has videos of herself playing on one side of the railroad tracks, and like these white kids on like a porch clapping along on the other side of the railroad tracks. Ooh, symbolism. So, so, well, when you watch that and then you know that Elvis took, you know, took that and... Elvis was one of those kids on the porch. And that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's just really interesting history. Elvis, it was a joke. and But he was. <laughs> you took it so That's seriously. how he grew up. Yeah, no, I did he? I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, he wasn't Elvis literally... Movie, I love yeah. that joke, dude. That's funny. <laughs> that was, that, it's funny that I missed that. 
But I, I was, I just thought you were kind of making the point that, like, yeah, like that's how <laughs> Elvis grew up. I like, you know? I liked it for a second. You were like, that was really well said. Yeah, yeah, well, it sounded eloquent as fuck. I do, Mister Eloquence. Can tell I, me something. I like a nighttime podcast. I like this. Me too. Yeah, I prefer like, the nighttime, but I'm also good. a every good podcast neighbor. I've ever done is like, yeah, can you get here at eight a.m. and you're like, what? Like, yeah. yeah, it's all. Every podcast is like a ten. a.m. We're gonna do three five hour energies each and talk about Richard Nixon. <laughs> what podcast are you going on? I'm just. I, I, people are people have interesting uh, ideas. I actually I haven't done that many podcasts. Yeah, I don't. I know I've done <clears throat> um, Uncle Buck's house um, out of Indianapolis. Kyle Buck, shout out. I've done this. I've done uh, Your Last Resort with Brandon Legendre. I love him. And maybe another one, I think. And I mean, well, mine. But like... What was yours called? What a Week I'm Having. What was uh, going on on that? So this is what What a Week I'm Having turned into, which is which is my dream show to host. It was half podcast, half like sketch, which is basically what it was. It was definitely meant to be viewed, not listened to. The first like... 30 minutes, like 20, 30 minutes was, yeah, just conversational podcast with me and my host, Big Trey. He was a, a rapper. Mama and Trey. He was my he was my co-host. It was fun. It, like, it basically, we got like one episode where we really got it right. But the production behind the show is so fucking much. And I'm doing it with guys who aren't comics, who aren't trying to be famous in the comedy spotlight at all. Um, or not famous, but you know what I mean? Like be successful in the comedy. Extreme, well, famous too, but extremely um not the crowd to hang out with if you're trying to do comedy generally in my yeah, experience no don't no <clears throat> i we learned i learned this uh fuck like the one of the first things i ever tried to shoot when i was like 19 um we tried to shoot a pilot episode for a series using my actual roommates at the time who weren't necessarily they didn't have any interest in acting they weren't going to go out for it they weren't that wasn't their career path so that's just not what they were applying themselves to and you learn a lesson real quick which is don't cast the homies like yeah most people are just trying to hang out mm -hmm. go to their jobs play around with something dabble in it and then watch something and go to bed yeah a regular person is like oh yeah i'd love to make a movie and then you get there and you're like wait i have to do 12 takes of the same line you're like yeah yeah over and over and over again oh i have to be here until four in the morning yeah 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 you do man Mm -hmm. like first movie i ever did I was like 18, 19. And my God, dude, I was still working my day job at this call center for charter communications. I would get like picked up by the producer, driven to this house we were shooting out of. I got there at 6 p.m. We shot until 6 a.m. sunrise and all walked back to our cars, fucking went home, slept and did it again the next day. It was crazy. Like, Like shooting movies fucking sucks. It's fun as shit. It's, oh, it's just a tremendous amount of work. It and is, being good grueling. at it, being good at it means being as efficient as possible. I was watching Jonah Hill talk about working with Martin Scorsese on Wolf of Wall Street. He was saying that Martin Scorsese solves problems that will take directors 20 minutes in 30 seconds. Yeah. When you think about what that actually means, that's exponential. Yeah. So the amount the amount of time that it would take Probably even a great filmmaker, because Martin Scorsese isn't a great filmmaker. He's one of the best filmmakers of all time. Mm-hmm. So even a great filmmaker, the amount of time it would take them to shoot a great movie, Martin Scorsese would probably be two or three times faster, which is also money, because you've got to pay these and, actors. And his and movies are twice as long yeah. as most people's. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's mind-boggling. The Aviator. I watched it in like four parts a few months ago. Great movie. Excellent. Well, I mean, speaking of Spielberg, fucking Jaws was a nightmare to make. I don't really get that. Get what? The movie Jaws? Yeah. So what was the shark's motivation? No. uh, (laughs) uh, I don't get why Jaws is such a big deal. It's an okay watch. No, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a perfect, it's one of the, it's it's, it's a perfect movie too. Uh, Okay. For the listeners, Ben is very good at explaining things. To give you an idea, he made baseball sound interesting to me. (laughs) So please explain to me how Jaws is such a great movie. Jaws is always and will forever be in my top five favorite movies of all time. The first half of that movie sets up these characters so fucking well with such, it almost feels like improvised dialogue. They're, They're talking over each other. 
it's so loose and natural. Every single character has a distinct point of view, which is, I mean, just a base thing you need to take care of in a screenplay is making sure every character sounds like themselves and not just the voice of whoever wrote the fucking movie. That's a big problem with especially amateur screenwriters is all of your characters just sound like you. The only one who can get away with that and still make big movies is fucking Aaron Sorkin. Oh man, he does that. Yeah, like, every character is like just quippy and witty no and has sarcastic other. comebacks. Yeah, yeah. You know it's, who does that comedically? Mm. Tina Fey. And they are different characters, but her voice is just flowing through their mouths. Sure. You know? That that movie breaks down into two halves. It's the part where they're coming where they're coming to terms with the fact that there's a fucking shark and what to do about it. And then when they get on the boat and sail out there. And it's just everything from the writing of that movie to the tone, the soundtrack done by fucking John Williams. Oh, the soundtrack. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot. Um, yeah, dude. What's more iconic? That's and it's crazy. Man Against Beast. It's, it's Man Against Beast. It's fucking, it's, it's, what's the movie or what's the book with the guy and the whale? Moby Dick. Yes. Or Jonah, Jonah. and the Whale. Or, no, but, but Moby Dick. you know what else it's kind of like? Jaws, in a way? It's kind of like the movie Gravity. It's just one person pinned against, like, it's the shark, but it's also the sea. It's the endless void. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't think about that for a story. That's really cool. It is. It's a classic story. It is it's definitely a classic story. And there's a book, too. I mean, it was based off of the book. In the book, the mayor is, like, wrapped up in the mob and shit. That's why he doesn't want to lose those summer dollars from tourists. That's why he doesn't want to close the beaches. They had to, fix, you know, they had to like, rewrite that. But just the, talking about uh, just uh, as a director taking care of fucking problems spielberg had so many fucking problems on that movie and he's a young director this is like his first real big project he'd made other movies but this was i mean i know there is a scene he invented something at least one thing with that movie a way of shooting something which is the zooming in while something was rolling back. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, when um, the fucking sheriff sees the fucking raft go upended because uh, of, uh, of shark. They're on the beach. Yeah, it's a great scene. Spielberg also did something on that movie because that shark never fucking worked. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, a super fake animatronic yeah. shark. And it was, if you read the book Raging Bulls, it's called Raging Bulls and Easy Riders or reverse that. I don't remember. I don't remember if it's Easy Riders. Easy Bulls or... and Raging Riders. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember if it's Easy Rider, Raging Bull, or Raging Bulls and Easy Riders, How the Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll Generation Saved Hollywood. It's a great book. It's like a documentary in book form. And they go through an interview, every writer, producer, uh, casting director, actor, director, everything that was involved with movies at the turn of the 1960s into the 70s, which is considered the film revolution in Hollywood. It's when movies started. Well, The Godfather. Well, it started, movies were finally really started to take a turn of being made with like you know, the R rating was invented like that hadn't existed before like PG-13 didn't exist before like it was you know it was just it, people started telling way different stories The Godfather Taxi Driver near yeah. the 80s well, characters started to be very different like yeah and was, things started getting darker too very yes but uh, yeah, there was a great story in that book about um, Spielberg and his girlfriend uh, bringing George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola which is his buddies like they were all in their 20s like making movies and brought him into this big warehouse in the lot in like the universal lot or the whatever lot it was paramount lot and uh, it's this warehouse and it's this big animatronic shark and they start fucking with the controls <laughs> and they heard something pop <laughs> and they just ran uh and it said they ran away knowing they had broken something very expensive and then cut to them making jaws that fucking shark never worked they probably fucked it up when they were fucking with it i wonder if the movie would have been different and well, how it would have been different I'll if it wasn't tell you up. i'll tell you how it would have been different because this is a decision that spielberg had to make on set was well maybe while they were filming is the shark never fucking worked but there are scenes specifically when they're out on the boat hunting for the fucking shark and the shark starts hunting them and spielberg was like what if we knew the shark was there but you didn't need to see the shark and he wrote in that they shoot those big yellow air bar like barrels filled with air that are on Hooper's uh, or not Hooper or on uh, Quint's boat. They shoot the shark with these barrels filled with air, and it's to force the shark to the surface because of the buoyancy. And he's like, "So now all you need to see is these barrels <sighs> breach the surface of the water, 
and we know the shark is there. The imagination it's does scarier than anything we could show you on camera. Spielberg kind of invented the idea of that in, in, in modern day filmmaking. Roger Ebert about the movie Silence of the Lambs, mm. which he loved, said that Hannibal Lecter's character played by Anthony Hopkins was played so well that his sinister presence is in every scene in the movie, whether he is in it or not. That's a great quote. Yeah. And that reminds me, that's what that reminds me of is that, you know, bringing in a feeling into a film without, by omitting an element or Mm. something like that. Really interesting. Yeah, man. Filmmaking and writing is, Jesus, it's been one of my favorite things just since I I tried to write my first screenplay when I was like 13. Yeah, it was a sequel to School of Rock. Yeah, I've told you that before. Yeah, I mean, that's a great story. What what happened? The story ends there. Yeah, but what what happens in the sequel? Oh, what was the plot? Yeah, I never asked you that. I don't think I've thought about it. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I knew what it was. I guess I I knew what it was when I was trying to write it, but I didn't know what writing a movie was. I was writing it pen to paper, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Oh, Um, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Give me, yeah, return to that state real quick and just give me a loose plot, second School of Rock. Yeah, School of Rock, the sequel. Um, School of Cock. No, um, by, the, by the way, if you've never enough. seen School of Rock or School of Cock, you can find <laughs> both of them. No, if you've never seen School of Rock, it's an amazing movie. It's great. It is. It's uh, a great kids movie. Uh, it's not even a kids movie. It's, it's I mean, not quite a kids movie. No, if you watch it back as an adult, it's just as enjoyable. Yeah, um, but it is like yeah, I saw it when I was like twelve. Or same. Something. That's yeah. when I fell in love with uh, music and movies. Yeah, Linklater is amazing. Yeah, he's dude, one of my favorites. Richard Linklater is such a good fucking filmmaker. Yeah. Um, the dude who wrote that. Oh, it would be so cool to have him on. Richard Linklater? Yeah. Yeah, we should see if you, 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 you get him on the podcast, dude. Yeah, I'm um, serious. Yeah, good. Okay, so Dewey Finn, who is Jack Black's character, mm-hmm. um, is still, you know, doing the after-school music program with the kids. But Still? Still. <laughs> oh, um, no. I mean, this is, this is like a... A year or two after. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you mean that thirty years has no. passed. He's gone through like thirty school of rocks. You know, no, 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 it no, gets no, no, old, no. man. No, 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 no. <laughs> you got to quit the Beatles. I wasn't in. When I'm thirteen. <laughs> I'm thinking of casting myself in this. So they're like, they needed to all still be kids. Yeah. Because I was a kid, and so it was that was you know it's it's like okay it's he's still with the school of rock kids. It's his after school program, um, but now him and his actual band of adults because um, he's he's formed a new band. Um, because his his old band No Vacancy that was uh, the the band that they battle at the end yeah um, No Vacancy there's that weird guy in the crowd who's really into them I've seen this movie like fifty something times it's and, a great movie yeah yeah um, and uh, so Jack Black has formed a new band and him and the new band are have to go on tour that means that they're gonna lose a lead singer the School of Rock is gonna lose a lead singer and so they hold auditions for a lead singer and I put myself in the movie and I saw I, and I like go out for the audition and i would imagine if i had finished the script i would have gotten it and i have no idea what the rest of the movie was it was just a 13 year old me really wanting to hang out with those kids i love that uh, yeah and in the next movie i i tried to write i was like probably 16 or 17 and oddly enough when i was 13 we went to myrtle beach south carolina when i was visiting my dad for the summer i used to vacation there all the time when i was a kid nice yeah we were in myrtle beach and i met this girl in the ocean while we were like jumping waves and everything Uh met this girl her name was terry ann we spent the whole weekend together we're staying in the same hotel and we're just hanging on the beach this is the like i like i didn't have a cell phone you know like there weren't really cell phones weren't that big of a thing um especially younger kids at that point but like the weekend ends and it's the last day there and it's like it's fourth of july so we're like watching fireworks like go off like uh, above the ocean anyway it's like last day of the trip she gives me her phone number she writes it with her eyeliner pen i take the phone number i go back to ohio and my stepmom cleans my room and throws away the phone number (sighs) (laughs) yeah oh wow yeah i just learned that your parents were divorced (laughs) <laughs> That's no, I'm what you serious. Took away from that. Uh, yeah, she super divorced from the time I was four. Did you get along with her? No. Uh, and she did that. She's the one that in like she was angry at me when I was like nine years old. Told me that my mom cheated on my dad. Yeah, and my stepmom sucked. But anyway, yeah. So Terry Ann's gone forever. And so the movie I wanted to write was 
about uh, same setup, but older, like in your 20s type of guys who are on a vacation, two characters meet, exchange numbers, kind of a fall in love sort of thing, go their separate ways. And each of them somehow loses their phone, loses the number. And both of them independently decide to go look for one another. That's a great, that's a great romance. Yeah. And he goes to Myrtle Beach. She goes to some weird town. Oh, that's good. And they just switch places and they're looking for each other. And they're just on this like road trip kind of journey that they're looking for each other. And then by the end of the movie, they run into each other. You Um, ever seen Lake House? Yes. Beautiful movie. It's kind of like that. It is a beautiful movie. It's mostly like serendipity. Yeah. That's, oh, I've never seen Serendipity. That's a phenomenal movie with Kate Beckinsale and John Cusack. But I wanted to write that one. Would you like to know the real end of that story? The, yes, the, please. The, the Terry Ann story? Yes. Stepmom throws away the, that number. Bro, years go by. And let me tell you, that whole year I spent going through the white pages because her parents were divorced. And I knew she spent time in two different cities in South Carolina. And I went through the fucking white pages trying to find this girl. Never did. And uh, I leave high school. I'm playing music for this band. I write our single called Carolina. The bridge of the song is uh, six whole years and not a day's gone by that I haven't thought of you. And I know I must seem insane, but I swear to God, it's true. You got me all fucked up. I never sleep enough. What am I supposed to do? I forget the next line. Then it's Terry Ann. I'm talking to you. (laughs) And we released that on our EP. She hits me up on Facebook. She finds me because our album released on like Facebook and shit and we like put it out everywhere. And she heard, one of her friends heard her name, showed her and she tracked me down. Uh, I reconnected with her like years later. That's the real movie, Ben. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy when I think about it in retrospect. That was a great story. And I feel that that was an awesome episode. I had a great time. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. Ben Howard, is there anything you want to plug? Um, follow me on Instagram at just call me Howard. Um, East Austin Comedy Club now doing shows Tuesday through Saturday. I no longer work there, but you should support that club. They're great. It is run by comics and it packs out and it does sells out. The BYOB. It's fun. Great comics, great hang, great shows. East Austin Comedy Club Tuesday through Saturday every week. Ben Howard. Thank you. Bye-bye.